0: our Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this privilege of being here this morning, of fellowshipping this way. Thank you for this incredible opportunity. May we never become familiar with it. It is your grace, motivated by your love, Father. Thank you for expressing these things to us in time. Father, we pray for those that can't be with us this morning that are ill, um, that you heal them and bring them back to us as soon as possible so that we might fellowship with them as well. And we pray also, Father, for those that are still lost in this world that really have no hope. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work to make a morning like this, a morning to rejoice in. We do just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. This morning's message is a special. um, Life is good because God says it so. Because God says so. And we're going to talk about that um, in detail and see what Scripture has to say about that title. Life is good because God says so. I think for a lot of people it's like a, almost like a, I don't want to use a weird term, but a paradigm shift in their brain, right? It's like, oh, yeah, life's good because I've been, this has happened in my life or that has happened in my life. And, you know, a month later they're like, meh, life's not so good. It's like, no, no, life is good, period. Now, what you think about it at any moment in time really is not the issue. It really isn't. Because you're, you know, off in la-la land, you know, uh, with some pity party or whatever it is. You're miserable because of bad decisions or what have you. That is not the issue because God says that life is good. It, what God says goes. And that's it. And that's the, that's the mentality we have to get into. We say, wait a minute. No, then life is good. Go to, uh, I want to open up with uh, one of my favorite passages, if there is such a thing, right? Go to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. We're going to let Holy Scripture uh, convince us of this issue or this statement on the board that life is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Just a little friendly reminder from God the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. What does it say? It says rejoice always. Rejoice sometimes? Rejoice when you're not in a mood? Or rejoice always? In other words, there's always something to rejoice about. That's how we have this statement. It's not just a command. It is a command, by the way. Um, It's not just a command. It is. We always have a reason to rejoice. How about this morning? I mean, the sun's out, you guys are all here, right? Uh, What's there not to rejoice in? You're breathing, you're living, life is good. I mean, what what is there not to rejoice in? Nothing. We have everything to rejoice in. That's the whole point. We're going to heaven, as far as I know. Hope to see you all there, right? I can't say for sure who's saved and who's not. That's my point. But I hope to see everyone here, there with me. And... um, With that alone, do we not have enough to rejoice over? Of course we do. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. What is one of the great opportunities that we have in prayer? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my life. Thank you for the grace that you've shown me. Thank you for giving me that command to rejoice always. Because it reminds me of of things that i have to rejoice in and then verse 18 of course give thanks in all circumstances all doesn't say some it doesn't say the ones that are pleasing to your sensibilities it says all circumstances so what does that mean that means you should even be saying thanks when he puts you to the test it's the funniest thing people you know people want to get in shape minus the gym or minus exercise it doesn't work like that if you want to get in shape even spiritually you have to be exercised which means that you have to be put to the test your faith has to be tested it's like doing reps right your faith has to be tested and even during that time when you know you're on your last rep and you're like oh you're dying you, you know you're complaining you sweat Falling out of you know, and you're just doing it right. Um, you should be grateful. You should give thanks to God for the ability to do one more rep, because with every rep you get stronger. That's the proof of your faith in action. And so it's you know, and you can also say thank you when you're on a beach somewhere in Florida, and the sun's warming your your skin, or oh, you're out in your back deck eating a. a I don't know, a tuna fish sandwich, right? I don't know. What, why not, right? Or how about you just have a little iced tea, unsweetened, right? Whatever, or sweetened, whatever. Whatever, you know what I'm getting at, whatever. The fact that you have a, a little canister of sugar that you can add a little spoonful of sugar and sweeten it up. How about that? How about being grateful for the fact there are some people that don't have that? There are some little kids that are going to die today because they don't have enough food. And we come in here, and we have sausage casserole and sugar disks. We call them cookies. We're just like, I don't know what's going on. It's just like, let's just take some of that glaze and just pile it on. And we complain. And we don't rejoice always. And we don't pray without ceasing. We don't give thanks in all circumstances. But those are the things, as the Word of God says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus' view. To have this attitude. That's what he's been saying to this congregation. Have this attitude. How's that for perspective? Pretty good, huh? How about this? Life is good. This is not conjecture. It is a fact. I'm not in a good mood. I am, but you know what I'm saying. It's not because I'm in a good mood that I write this. It's because it's a fact. Life is good. It's not conjecture. It's not because we're all in some spiritual high right now. It's because God says it so. And that is the shift. that you, have to, you don't just say, I agree. I'm so blessed right now. I can just, I feel it. No. I don't care if you feel it or not. I don't care if you're in the crappiest mood in the history of your life. You know what? Life is still good. You're the one who is divorced from the truth. You're the one whose perspective has veered off. You're the one who's suffering because of your own malcontent. That's not changing the fact that life is good. It just means that you're somewhere else. You've lost the, the beautiful perspective of what we just read in First Thessalonians 5. Just that attitude. You've lost it somehow. I don't know what it is. It happens to me. Way more than I would like it to. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Not that I'm the best of us, but you know what I'm saying. It even happens to Lois. How about that? Not that Lois. Lo- Lois, like that's right. It's me. <laughs> James 2 Timothy two nineteen to twenty one, Philemon one four to seven, Philippians four four to nine. For starters, we have the right to sing from the rooftops that life is good because God says it is so because God says it is so let's allow holy scripture to prove it to us go to James 1:17 James 1:17 <clears throat> James 1 verse 17 Take my word for it. I don't want you to think it's me. I I want you to know that it's not conjecture. It's not just because some of us are in good mood. It's a fact. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every good gift. So if it's a good gift, if you can say, by God's standards, that's a good thing, you know where it's from? It's from Him. And because it's from Him, it means it's perfect. Well, we're going to talk about life. I mean, who gives life? So every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In other words, the truth is immutable. That's it. Anything good comes from God. Done. End of story. Well, God is eternal life. God is eternal life. He isn't just the author of it, strictly speaking. He is it. He is eternal life. So since that life itself comes from above, it is good. So eternal life is good. When we receive eternal life as a grace gift at salvation, we are receiving a gift that is intrinsically good. Hence, life is good. If you're a believer in Christ, life is good because you've been given this gift from above. We just walked the theology in brief and saw very easily, very simply, very quickly that we can make the conclusion that since God is eternal life and every good thing is from Him, and life is good. Go to 2 Timothy 2.19. We become one of His own. He invites us to Him. He reconciles us to Him. This is where we begin to develop this attitude about life itself. We begin to develop this attitude about life itself. That life is transcendent. It's beyond even our own ability to immediately recognize that it is good. Because we're dragging around all the garbage and the, you know, the old baggage and the vestiges of sin and the, the scar tissue and the, you know, the, the bad feelings about this person or that person or this circumstance or that circumstance. And we're inundated with our own you know, bad feelings and, and what have you. Well, this helps us. Second Timothy 2.19, But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work for honorable use set apart as holy useful to the master of the house ready for every good work So life in christ is good because we've been set apart as holy ready for every good work we've been set apart for his purposes that's what holiness means set apart for his purposes sanctified that way for what that we're ready for every good work. Well, that sounds like our life has purpose, our life has meaning. That's good, is it not? Is it not good Did we have purpose and meaning? Yeah. Without this eternal life imparted to us, life isn't so good. In fact, to live as an unbeliever is to live under the sovereignty of death. And so you've been gifted, if you're a believer, with eternal life, which is intrinsically good, because it's God. God is eternal life. Without it, though, life isn't so good. As I wrote in the recent blog about hell, our default destination is hell. That's our default destination. That's not very good. Not a whole lot of hope in that. However, for believers, that is no longer our destiny, hence the point on the board. Life is good. This is not conjecture, it is a fact. God says so. If you're familiar with Paul's letter to Philemon, you know how very personal it is, and it's worth a full read when you get a chance. It's only one chapter. So it doesn't take you very long. Um, it's worth a full read when you get a chance because it's so touching. Go to uh, Philemon four, four. Philemon one verse four. Philemon (laughs) 4. This is one of those hard-to-find ones, huh? Especially if you don't have a study Bible, because then it really is like one page. Philemon 4. All right. Every good thing that is in us. In other words, we have intrinsic goodness in us. We have eternal life. We've been saved. We're children of God. And he's so happy that Philemon is spreading this good news. Every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So Paul's encouragement really was very similar to what you and I are receiving here this morning. That life is good. That we have something to boast about in Christ Jesus. We have something to, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice over always and to pray about without ceasing and always giving thanks. Because we have eternal life. That means life is good. Because that's what has become us. And that doesn't matter about our mood. So Paul was saying pretty much the same thing the Spirit's saying you know, 2,000 years later to this congregation. Paul wants or wanted Philemon's labors to bear good fruit in the way of spreading the good news that life is good in Christ. And this is part of our so great salvation. In other words, to have what was inherently and eternally good uh, in Philemon, that is eternal life, he wanted that to be shared, and he was so happy that it was being shared with others. Look at verse 7, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And you can almost sense in this very personal touching letter, God's economy of grace, right? He's saying, you know, we love the Lord, you, you're spreading it. I see, I'm encouraged, like Romans 1, 12, by each other's faith. I'm encouraged seeing what you're doing in the faith, how your love, how the grace of God is overflowing into the laps of others. This is the way the economy is supposed to work, you know. If we get bound up, and we'll talk about the gristmill a little bit more this morning, but if we get bound up and things get kinked and things don't churn, you're not spreading a whole lot of love, are you? You're, you look more like an, an unbeliever even at that point because you've lost your perspective. You've lost sight of the fact that just being alive on earth is good. Just having eternal life is a very good thing. It's a blessing from God because it's from above. So reflect on this. Isn't it wonderful to be around someone who's madly in love with Jesus? Think about that. Isn't, it, isn't that one of the greatest things? I was just thinking about uh, John Gardner, who uh, uh, painted my house this, this summer. Um, and it looks fantastic, so if you're looking for a painter, see John Gardner. I'm just kidding. John. John's like, Pat's like, it's not that good. And all I could think about was, like, every time we was over, we would always spend some time With our like arms on the deck or just hanging out and being friends and just talking about the lord right and john would try to stretch it out and charge me for it i'm like john you gotta get back to work it's been like three hours Ah, i just love talking about jesus (laughs) he's like look at that overtime anyways it was fun right john fair enough john it was it was a lot of fun and it was good to be around somebody who was positive you know what I mean? Who just wanted to really, every chance he had, he wanted to talk about Jesus and what was going on in his life and um, all that kind of good stuff. And so I was just thinking about that. Um, it's wonderful to be around someone who's, who loves Jesus. And that's what you see in Philemon. That's what Paul was writing. He's like, it's, it's awesome. I love seeing this in you. I love seeing how this love overflows into the saints, into the laps of the saints even. Because it builds up and edifies the body of Christ. This is how it's supposed to work. This is why life is good. Because grace is all around us. And as long as we're not being, you know, weird or stingy or you know, moody, we're all built up. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Up here on the board again, 1 Thessalonians 5:16-18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Was not Paul just giving thanks for Philemon? Yeah. I give thanks to have a brother in Christ. That it's not just me. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one trying to spread the good news. I'm not the only one with this attitude that life is good. It's beautiful to see in other people. And you should think about that for yourselves. That's why you don't spend... I mean, I don't understand how people can spend time with unbelievers as as like in a intimate friendly sort of that way. I don't I don't understand it anymore. I honestly don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Some of you still probably do it. I don't get it. I'll just tell you to your face. I don't understand it at all. But anyways, to me the the sweetest parts of life nowadays when it comes to interacting with others is that time to be able to talk and be encouraged about the fact that we're both We're brothers or sisters in Christ. And you don't necessarily have to be talking about this, you know, Holy Scripture proper. You could just be talking about life. You could be talking about the lasagna you had last night and how grateful you were that God gave it to you, how scrumptious it was, right? I'm like, you know, I'm always great. This is going to sound really weird, but every so often, there's a couple of lovely ladies in here that make deviled eggs. And they always put a few aside for me because I love them so much. Hint, hint. I love them so much. (laughs) I love them so much. I'm so grateful. (laughs) Anyways, life is good. When you eat them, seriously, I'll be back. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God." Pull up. It's beautiful. It's awesome, right? Because it's just an egg. It's a deviled egg. Come on. But you know what? I feel like that's from God. Working through others. That's, I mean, how do you forget that? Or I could be a brat and be like, I only got three? This is ridiculous. It's not even that good. I think they forgot the paprika. Or I could be grateful and thankful. The same goes with you. You're laughing, but is it not the same with you? Here's the life is good attitude that the Spirit's been encouraging us to take up. Go to Philippians 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. We just, we like shortchange ourselves with our own awfulness. So much to be grateful for. Philippians 4, verse 4. sound familiar rejoice in the lord always again i will say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone the lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving sounds just like first thessalonians five doesn't it with uh, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and look at what happens when you have this attitude and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, man. That's what happens? That's what happens. Verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Don't just learn them. You see that word right there, practice? Do you have that in in the New American as well? Practice these things? Yeah, don't just come to church and learn about them. Like, literally put these things to practice. When your perspective veers off, dwell on these things. You've got more than enough good things, honorable things, pure things, lovely things, commendable things. You've got more than enough to think about to change your mind, to change your attitude. And when you do, you get this peace that flushes over you that surpasses all comprehension. You can't even, can, can you actually explain to an unbeliever what it's like to have that peace? No. They don't get it. They wouldn't get it. They don't understand it. The best we can even say to each other is the peace of Christ. And you go, yeah that. Again, what's the point? Up here on the board. Life is good. This is not conjecture. It is a fact. God says so. So, if life is good, is a biblical fact, what do you think the Spirit's trying to say to you personally this morning? What's He trying to say to you Personally, that's the point. Go to Ephesians 3:16. Here's a good place to start. Ephesians 3 verse 16 <laughs> Ephesians 3:16. What's he trying to say to you? Because that's what counts. I can tell the little stories and you all can laugh at me and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's about you. This is about you being sanctified. that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Remember, God is eternal life. He's given it to us to enjoy. This is what Paul is writing. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Life is good. Now, for the more quote-unquote, discriminating hearers of this message who might be averse to broadly sweeping themes such as, you know, life is good. The Bible has something for you too, something technical. Go to John 17, verse 3. Just so you don't think I'm waxing poetic up here and, you know, we're all just in a good mood and so we're all just going to agree life is good. I'm really being technical. I mean, there's, there is the emotional side of it that's just as real, but it's not like it's founded on emotions. It's not conjecture. It's real. It's technical. It's absolute, and it's true. Life is good. And I mean that in the most technical way. Life, think of eternal life, equals goodness. Intrinsic goodness. Life equals good. Is God good? Is God life? There you go. If A equals B and B equals C, transitive property, right? A equals C. John 17.3 And this is eternal life. So if you're getting technical and you're kind of still dragging a little bit, you don't get it because, you know, you're in a mood. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Yeah. Up here, in every, up, up here on the board. Knowing Christ is everything. It is not enough just to know of him or who he was historically, or even that he died for the forgiveness of sins. That is, those are all facts, but that's not the point. To truly know him is to know that life is good. That's the point. You see, even for those of you listening that have a more, let's call it a doctrinal palate, God has encouraged you too. The point is that there's no escaping the fundamental truth that life is good. Here's an old friend of ours up here on the board. The truth is immutable. It never changes, regardless of whether or not a person agrees with it. It does not matter what you think of the truth. It doesn't change. That's the fact. That's the point the Spirit's making here this morning. And we can rest our souls on it. The truth is immutable regardless of whether or not a person agrees with it. Life is good is a fact that God has endorsed from before He even created mankind on earth. Think of it that way. You know, the comment, life is good, it didn't precipitate out of um, someone having a good day. That's not the result. It didn't precipitate out of that. In other words, if no one ever had a good day, no one would ever be able to say life is good. Uh-uh. Life is good predates humanity. That's the point. That's the part that I'm getting at here. That it's a fact. God has endorsed this from before he even created mankind on earth. It's a fact that was true even before he created the angels. It's a fact that's as old as God himself. And I speak as a man because there's no beginning or end to God, but you get the point. It's as old as God Himself. On Wednesday, the Spirit asked me to briefly share about a bit of delirium, I'll call it, that I experienced as a result of losing my own perspective. And I am attributing some of it as a cause of being sick with the flu and worn out and weary. Just, you know, the kingdom doctors has no scruples. When, When they see you that way, they take advantage of you. They do everything they can to get, they're like, oh, he's weak, right? And he's like a, he's one of the, the because of my position, right? He's a big fish. We can we can reel him in because if we screw him up, we screw up a bunch of people, right? And so that I've always got a target on me because of that. So I attribute it to some of that. Um, whatever the case may be, I was a bit disconcerted until God had me read one of my own blogs from a, uh, a recent one, not that even that long ago, a few months back maybe, and lo and behold, I was delivered instantaneously. Before class this morning, DJ um, and Alice and I were talking about how, and DJ was getting fired up. I was like, dude, you got to settle down, you're going to knock over the table. He was so adamant. He said, like, I'm convinced that the greatest malady of all for us is familiarity. Just becoming familiar with our lives, how quickly we forget how good our lives are, or how much God has accomplished in each of us. Here's a perfect passage for regaining one's perspective. Go to Philippians one twenty one. Philippians one twenty one. And it's true. I agree with DJ. It's it's. Um, I'm not huge on superiors, per se, but I know exactly what he's saying, that familiarity is basically death, and it affects all of us. And this it, way too often, way too often. I mean, come on. We are, our socks are blessed off. How do we spend even one moment looking across the table to some lovely other person and throwing up in their face? Blah, Is my life? You know, I didn't come out with you so you could throw up on me. You know what I'm saying? Why do we do that to each other? What are we complaining about? What do you have to complain about? Seriously, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, Philippians 1:20. I speak about myself too, so don't don't get it wrong. Philippians 1:21. Here's some perspective. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Oh, it doesn't say, for to me to live is me. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say I should be living for self. It shouldn't be self-preservation. Oh, no. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. When this is all over, I get to go be with him in heaven. But for now, for to me to live is Christ. This is about Him, the one who saved me. Understanding that life is good means to have our perspectives grounded and rooted in the very nature of life itself. In other words, we cannot be confused about the basic constructs that God Himself has architected and orchestrated for our well-being. Remember that God is in control. This is one of the primary reasons why we can abide in the idea that life is good. I mean, if life, if the idea that life is good depended in any any way, shape, or form on us, then that's maybe when we could say life isn't so good. It's probably why unbelievers who don't have this hope in them can can flip-flop. One day their life is good, life is good. Next day, like, life stinks. Next day, life is good. Life stinks. No, we don't have that problem. We've been given eternal life. Life is always good. It's just a matter of perspective. So the point the Spirit's making though is that don't just say life is good because of this or that thing that exists in your life. There's no event in the history of your life that modifies the fact that life is good or not good. It's good. It's intrinsically good. It has always been good. It's been good before even the angels were created. Life is good. So don't just say that because of this or that thing exists in your life. Say life is good because you know that every facet of it, every corner, every nook and cranny is truly good because it has been designed by God to glorify Him. Go to Acts 17.26. Acts 17:26 The whole thing. Think of life now as something that was designed and architected by God in its entirety. The whole thing. Acts 17 verse 26 <clears throat> And he made From one man, every nation of mankind to live on, and all the faces of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being. even As even some of your own poets have said, we are indeed His offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. In other words, we should not ever think of God in, in temporal or by temporal standards. Or even to try to describe Him by temporal means. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed, and of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. Again, to say life is good, uh, or say life is good, this is the encouragement because you know that every facet of it, every corner, Every nook and cranny is truly good because God has designed it that way. And that's sort of what we just read about, that he designed it that way. And we shouldn't imagine things that aren't there. We must learn to live in this attitude that life is good. You ready? I didn't make this a point, but maybe it'll be a point on Thursday. It's transcendent, not transactional. Life is transcendent, not transactional. And that phrase, life is good, it too, then, is transcendent. When you think that way, you have to think above earthly circumstances. You say, no, 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 no. Life predated this thing I call life. Life is intrinsically good. It's it's transcendent. It predates my life, even. Anyone's life, any creature's life. So therefore, it's not transactional. It's not precipitated out of some proof point. Does God prove it to us? You bet. Proof of our faith. But doesn't mean that he's just because he's revealing it to us somehow, or proving it to us somehow, that it didn't pre-exist that situation, that transaction. Life is good is not transactional. So with that mentality if that with that attitude up here in the board 1 Corinthians 10:31 so whether you eat a drink or whatever it is you do on earth okay we can just generalize that whatever it is you do on earth whatever you do do all to the glory of God everything so whatever you do that means all of your life not just moments like this one where you have like an anointed man of God before you encouraging you to have this attitude in you. You know, some of you like, oh, you lift it up, right? It's like, I'm lifted up. I know what he's saying. I'm in the moment. You know, yes, yes, life is good. It shouldn't be just moments like this. It should be a transcendent thing for you. That's the point the Spirit's making. Not because of your emotions even, but because it's a fact. We learn to like live in the facts about God. That's what happens. God is immutable. He's never changed. No part of Him has ever changed. That's why all these fools in churches, even on a morning like this, they say, "Oh no, 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 no! You can kind of stay put. God will come to you." Uh-uh-uh-uh. That is one of the biggest lies from the kingdom of darkness of all time. It's it's why a lot of times you have to set, you have to uh, Sacrifice truth. That's why, sadly, people—some people—won't teach certain passages in the Bible because it would blow up their church situation or their ministry or whatever it is. You see, God never comes to us. God reaches to us in grace and reconciles, pulls us to Him, but we, He's never moved to us. And He's the—he is life. Um, so don't. The point is, whatever you do means all of your life. Not just moments like this one. To really mean that life is good is to know God through Christ. Go to Romans 11.33. Romans 11.33. If you want to know that life is good, read Holy Scripture. Honestly. Honestly read holy scripture. I started reading that little book again, uh, found, uh, God's peace from MacArthur. Nice little books like this big. I got, I got like 20 of them in the back. If anybody wants one, just a little book, a little like, you know, five by seven type thing. Unbelievable reminder. Unbelievable reminder. Just simply listen, if you're, if you're anxious or worry, you know, like worry is literally a sin. Because Christ Himself says, do not worry. Paul wrote, do not be anxious about anything. That's a command. So if you break a command, it's what? A sin. So worry ends up being a sin. So people that say, oh, you know, think this way or do this or think that way and all these weird earthly strategies miss the entire point of Holy Scripture. Holy Scripture says the truth will set you free. So if you're sinning in worry, Where would you go to be set free from that worry? The world? (laughs) No, leave the phone on the hook. It's not even that anymore, is it? Don't pick up your little smartphone, your little, uh, your little slavery chain. You know, (coughs) don't pick that thing up. Open up your Bible. You want to be set free? Open up your Bible. Romans 11:33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Woo! Yeah. doesn't say the knowledge of your neighbor or that person you just tried to call. That person doesn't have any real wisdom compared to God. Are you kidding me? If anything, they're probably going to lead you further astray. Especially those of you who hang around with unbelievers. You can guarantee that. They're going to try to give you some crutch from the world. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and how unscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor, or who has given a gift to Him that He might, or he might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God... To, you notice there's no chapter, There's a chapter break, but in the original language, there's no break, right? We put cha- humans put chapters in, right? Look at this. He says in verse 36, chapter 11, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Verse 1 of the next chapter, right? Think of no chapter break even. I appeal to you, brothers, therefore brothers, therefore, in other words, he's still working off of what he just said. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. All of you, all in, that's the point. All of you, all in, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That by testing, there's your reps, those are your gym reps. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. On Wednesday, the Spirit made the comment that for a believer in Christ to walk around with his or her head down, means something seriously awry. If you're a believer, you have every right to live in that attitude that life is good. That's never changed. We just established that. That is a rock. That's the point. That is a pillar in life. That's it. Life is good. It's not going anywhere. You're not going to be kicking it and, you know, telling God he's a little off. No, no. Life is good. That's it. If it's not good in your life, experientially, you've left it. It didn't leave you. Life didn't grow legs and run away from you. You ran away from it. You chose, with your decisions, with your practical living, to separate yourself from that truth, from that anchor in your life, so the spirit said, "Hey, listen, if, if that's you, something's wrong it's it's not god it's it's you some your thinking's off, um, your perspectives skewed um, and as a friendly reminder, he just said, "Maybe this will get you back Jesus." chose to sacrifice himself for you personally. I mean if all bets are off, is not the cross the one thing that we can always cling to? Right? Isn't that the the one thing if we lose our perspective on anything else in 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 truth? Isn't that the one thing that we can cling to? That always brings us back to him just to remember that he didn't have to do that. That you were completely distraught, you were hopeless, you were helpless and he still did that thing for you, is that not enough to bring you back? I think so. I think so. So you don't ever have, I mean, if you were that worth it to him, you never have that insecurity that life isn't good. Life is good. You were worth it to him. And as this week's blog titled Being Too Hard on Ourselves stated, Something as um, heinous as self-loathing, that's not from God. Self-loathing is not from God. Some of you are like, yeah, but you don't know what I've, what I've been up to. I don't want to know what you've been up to because you're sick. I'm not sure why the two, two people in the center of my church universe are laughing the loudest. I'm not sure what's going on over here we have a leadership meeting after class, I will look into it. <laughs> right? I don't really want to know. Uh, it's not my business. But you know whose business it is? It's God's. If you're self-loathing because you've been making terrible decisions, well, you need to get right with God. Maybe just, here's, all right, no extra charge, right? How about this? How about you stop doing the thing that you're looking at that makes you self-loathe? How about you just stop it? It, apparently, it has n- detrimental effect to your life. No extra charge okay? Ready? Ready? Like Bob Newhart. Stop it! Remember that? Remember his psychology? Give me five bucks. I've been doing it. Stop it! How about that? That's it. Just stop it. Wow, imagine that. Huh. Up here on the board, 2 Corinthians 5.16, Amplified. So from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view according to worldly standards and values. Yeah, that includes you. Don't look in the mirror and look at yourself from a human point of view because the world will tell you, yep, you are the worst human being that could ever live. I can't even believe you even thought that way. Never mind, you went out and did something like that. That's the world. Does it excuse? No, there's no excuse for doing stuff that hurts you or others or God. But we're not supposed to live in that thing in a sense of self-loathing. We're supposed to learn from our mistakes. That's the point. We're not supposed to live in them. Because last time I checked, there's no time machine and you can't go back and change even five minutes ago. From now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. In order to rightly assess ourselves, the new creature, we must see ourselves through the lens that God uses. The one that is based on the merits of Christ's work on your behalf. Let's read some scripture for encouragement. Go to Romans 8, 1. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 1. Romans 8, 1. Verse 1. There is, therefore, now Excuse me, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. To set the mind on the Spirit is tantamount to our previous principle. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Up here on the board, knowing Christ is, (coughs) excuse me, everything. (coughs) It's not enough just to know of him or who he was historically or even that he died for the forgiveness of sins. To know him is to know that life is good. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Remember these things. You see what he's doing? He's reminding the Romans and therefore us. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the firstfruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Life? How do you say life is not good after reading one chapter in, in Holy Scripture? One chapter. How do you read that and not come away and say, Man, well, that was a mind blow. I guess life really is good. And when you read holy scripture, you are reading the very mind of Christ. Are you not? Hence, the point on the board: knowing Christ is everything. If you want to be delivered from the doldrums of your life, the whatever's ailing you, uh, whatever's uh, taking you away from this attitude that life is good, go to holy scripture. Learn about Jesus some more. Keep on reading. Stop being so familiar. Who, who wants to raise their hand right now and say they're not familiar with Jesus? Seriously? Who's, who's going to say that? That means we all have work to do, right? We all, there's labor to be done. There's, there's this thing that has to happen. Knowing Christ is everything. It's not enough just to know Him. To know Him is to know that life is good. good. Here's our main principle from the beginning of this morning. Again, life is good. This is not conjecture. It is a fact. God says so. And before we close, just a little more perspective from Wednesday. Go to Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Life is good. Think of uh, Philippians 1.21, right? For to me to live is Christ, to die is profit, to die is gain. Same attitude coming out here from Paul. Right. Galatians two verse twenty. Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Life is good, my friends, whether or not you personally are even convinced of this truth yet that's not even the point His, that's why i wrote this point up here on the board the truth is immutable it never changes regardless of whether or not a person agrees with it you can stand here even right now and say nope i disagree life is not good you're not in, you're not in my shoes you have no right to say that well that's between you and the lord i'm not even teaching about the condition of your situation right now i'm teaching about the very simple fact that life is good that's it God is good. God is life. Mm. Life is good. Mm. Doesn't matter what you think about life. The fact remains, life is good. For those of you who aren't convinced of this yet, the Spirit gave you a, let's call it a practical strategy even, to help get your focus first, right? Get it right first. In other words, I'm still not seeing it, this overarching transcendental type speech. It's it's above me. I'm not seeing it yet. Fine. Fine. We all go through that thing, right? We all start as infants in Christ. Doesn't matter if you're 40, 50, 60 years old. We all start as infants. We have to learn how to crawl before we walk and run. Great. What do you do up here on the board? Philippians 2.12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Just work it out. Just show up. Just be practical about life even. So this, this strategy that I speak of is to live with this simple attitude regarding sanctification, which is the very reason God lives us, uh, leaves us here after he saves us up here on the board. Here's the net-net here's the, the of what he's told us on a practical level, <clears throat> and it's regarding grace. We are sanctified when we are gracious toward others. Okay, so you can't see it. You don't see the forest through the trees yet. You're not living the transcendental life yet. You're not there yet. You're not all in. Okay, great. One day at a time, live for others. That's it. Start there. What's the implication, of course? You have to tear your eyes off of yourself. Because most of you, most of us, all right, we all do, let's say. We're all our own best idols, right? We all start off idolizing ourselves. It's what we're born doing, first of all in the flesh. And then the world tells us. It's about self-idolization, you know, lifting self up, making yourself great, self-help books. uh, You know, be the next, I don't know, Tom Brady or whoever it is you think is an idol, right? Be the next this person, be the next that person. Everything's about self, self, self. And then, by the way, since you're trying to make an idol of yourself, you have to protect yourself or I call it self-preservation, right, that's why I wrote the blog. All of that stuff just points you right back to yourself. But that's, anti, that's antithetical to grace. No grace flows through you. You're just hoarding it for yourself. Whatever comes your way, you hoard it for yourself. <laughs> we are sanctified when we are gracious towards others. Living for others is the perfect way, I'll say it again, to slot in or saddle up into the good life. Up here on the board. Proverbs 11:24-25 in the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. For those of you who are the real reason why Scott had to come up here this morning, I dedicate that to you. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I would probably argue that I'm speaking to the same people who are suffering in misery right now. The same people. Why? because they're focused on self giving to a church has nothing to do with anything else other than your attitude that's it and if you're stingy about it guess who doesn't get blessed Jesus says more blessed to what keep for yourself no to give than to receive this holy scripture the world of the generous gets larger and larger the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. On Wednesday, I gave you an analogy that apparently people really enjoyed. I I apologize for it when I gave it to you because I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. But anyways, the gristmill, right? In brief, grace is sort of like the water that turns the water wheel, and we're the gristmill. If you know anything about gristmills, there's a little gear, some linkages that go inside the gristmill and turn a little millstone. You throw, like, corn and stuff on there, right? Not your fingers, because you'll lose your fingers. You throw your corn on there, you drop the other one, comes out cornmeal. Ooh, cool, that's cool, we can eat that stuff. Yeah, good things happen on the inside, in other words, when water flows by the wheel, right? The water doesn't pile up on the inside. It's not hoarded by the gristmill. It goes through. And when it goes through, good things happen on the inside. The analogy is that God pours grace into our lives, and it turns the wheel, and it churns out some good stuff on the inside. Our souls are fed when this glorious, miraculous thing occurs in us. And that reminds me of Jesus' words up here on the board. John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food, my sustenance is to do the will of him. So like a gristmill, when water flows through us, and we don't hoard it. We are blessed, and our bellies are filled with blessings. That's our food, in other words. That's our sustenance. We're sustained on the good work that happens on the inside when grace flows through us. In other words, our hearts are set on living for others, for this is the will of God, and therefore, as Jesus said, this is our sustenance. It's our food. That's how grace works. Grace goes through us into the laps of others if we hoard that grace, it doesn't go to others, and the linkages and the mechanisms and the things that God does to to sanctify us go, you see? That's what a stingy person looks like. God says, hey, I'm going to bless you out. Some of you make ridiculous amounts of money, and you give this much to the church. That's disgusting. That's grotesque. That means, that's you. You ready? And then some of you, make not that much, and you give percentage-wise way more than people who make a lot of money. It's disgusting, but that's humanity. Why? Because those other people are stuck. The love of money, right? They're stuck. And when you love money, you become stingy. You're like, no, I got to hold it for myself. I need more stuff, right? I need more stuff for me. It's about me. I'll let everybody out. I'll let the people who live week to week on some hourly wage I'll let them pick up the tab. I know for a fact, someone in here gives 20% of their weekly salary to this church. 20%, not 10, that's twice tithing. And I don't teach tithing here. 20%. Anybody else want to say they give more than that? What's the deal with that person? Their heart's right. Their wheel is going like this. And if I was to parade them up here, which I would never do for their bragamony, In the last 10 years, they've grown in ways that are stupendous. Unbelievable they've grown. Why? Just like the Word of God says. The one who waters is themselves what? Watered. That's the whole point. Anyways, enough said. When water flows through us, we're blessed. That's the whole point. If our eyes aren't set this way, we lose our blessings in time and we mimic those whose eyes are set on earthly things. Philippians 3:19 up here on the board, what does that look like? Their end is destruction. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly. In other words, keep filling up my belly. What did Jesus just say? And when Je- in context Jesus the, people, the disciples were saying, "Hey, have you eaten yet? He's like, I don't, I don't even need, no. You can keep, keep, fill your own bellies with stuff out there. He goes, I got my food. My sustenance is to do the will of my father. That's my sustenance. That's the exact opposite of someone from the world. And some of you who actually live like the world, stingy. You fill your bellies. Your God is your belly. Right? That's the, and, and I'm not saying that to condemn anybody, but I'm saying You suffer. It's literally antithetical to what I just taught for an hour. It's literally, that's not a life is good attitude. That's a life is about me attitude. And when life is just about you, it's not good. That's called bondage. That's slavery. You have moved. You've gone back to where you came from. Jesus died on the cross so you didn't live in that reality. That you'd be delivered from that reality. Yeah, I know. I know. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. Why? Their minds are set on earthly things. With minds set on earthly things. The grist mill analogy then, and I've got to pick a spot to close. <clears throat> Some of you are like, I wish you closed five minutes ago. I was doing so good, and then you called me stingy. I didn't call you stingy, the Lord did. God, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, he's talking about you. I can see it, too, because some of you are doing the Janet Jackson. Right? <laughs> not talking about me. <laughs> or, the, or the Matrix. Right? <laughs> All of a sudden, you become hyper-flexible. <laughs> Give, and it will be given to you. Luke 638. The, that's not me. That's not, nothing I said in the last five minutes even has anything to do with me. I'm just a teacher. I'm a vessel, so don't look at me. Right? Don't look at me. It's not like I get rich off of this church or anything like that. So it's not about me or salaries or money or anything like that. This whole thing is about you. I want you to be blessed. Give and it will be given to you. Luke 6.38 This is a promise regarding grace. If we allow God's grace to flow through us, we are blessed. Love gives. And I'll close this way. Reflect on this practical strategy. This practical strategy, the very best we can give is what God has already given us by grace, starting with us. Remember Romans 12.1? Starting with us, being all in. That's our spiritual form of worship. And by the way, on the topic of grace, up here on the board, God is prepared to reveal to each of us, in the context of our own lives, anything that takes us away from Him experientially. Anything. Anything. Any, could be a love of money even. Anything. Could be a love of self-servitude, self-preservation, your love of self, love of the person in the mirror. I don't know. Right? I don't know. Joe, like Joey and Andrea have to be careful not to make a baby an idol. I see that all the time. All of a sudden the baby is the most important thing, more than Jesus. Wrong. Wrong. You want to damage a child right out of the gate? Do that thing. Make them an idol. And they have to guard against people in their periphery doing that very thing and encouraging that very thing in their lives. Wrong. Babies are not idols. Babies are fleshly little blobs. I love Benji. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm doing. But they're fleshly little blobs. It's me, 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 me. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Make me an idol. This works for me. <laughs> right? Make me your idol. Wrong. You want to damage a kid right out of the gate? Do that thing. Do that thing. Because then eventually you've got to break the news to him. You're not an idol. At some point, you've got to say, repent. Hmm. Anything that takes you away from him experientially, God is prepared to reveal that to you. Why? And I'll leave you with this. God is glorified by blessing you out. Don't get in the way. Have that attitude. Life is good. Think I always started, right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks for everything. Why? That's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He saved you for that very reason so that you could live that life in the cradle of eternal life knowing that you're saved, knowing that you've been changed eternally, forever. Live in it. That's the whole point. God blesses you out. Therefore, our encouragement has been And we are still sort of amplifying that strategy for those of you who don't yet have the life is good attitude in you up here on the board. Hebrews 13, 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Whatever it is you have, starting with you, starting with your life, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Definitely Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us the truth, because we know that the truth is what sets us free. We don't change it, Father. Thank you for telling us straight up that life is good. That is a fact. That is truth. And that truth will never change, Father. Thank you so much for giving us these pearls of wisdom. We just ask for your blessing as we take the things we've learned back to the privacy of our own souls and then our homes and then possibly out to a world that's decaying. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen.